a win's a win, but sometimes a win's not a win. On today's show, BC beats Holy Cross 31 to 28 in a game the Eagles could have easily have lost. We're going to look at what the Eagles did right, what they did wrong, and some of the concerns that we have about this program moving forward. I got Mitch on with me today. It's an episode you're not going to want to miss. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked On BC. I'm your host, AJ Black, editor and publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 Network. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 to bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get yourself started. So as I said in the, in the opener, we got Mitch with us today and we're going to break down the Holy Cross game. Uh, now, if you want a full recap of the game, actually, right after it happened, I have an episode. We're doing bonus episodes now during the week uh, that I put up last night. Check that out. But I want to get Mitch's perspective of everything. So, Mitch, staff writer at Eagle Insider. Mitch, how's it going? Like you said, it's hard to be less excited after a win, you know, even though obviously it was a close game and it was an FCS opponent. But, I mean, I mean, I, th- I feel like I've seen a plenty of comments that were saying – in essence, I wish BC had lost um, just because they felt that was more deserved. And I think that the weather delay played a big part in that because you have three hours to just sit around and stew about the game. And of course, it, going into the delay, it ends on this really negative note where they punt the ball back totally across with two minutes left and there's a penalty on BC. So you just have three hours to stew on that. Uh, but I guess we could, you'll have, we'll talk about the whole game here and there's a lot to talk about. So let's kick it off with... I know we're going to talk offense and defense, but let's talk penalties first just to get it out of the way. Cause I think a lot of folks are really frustrated with that. And based off of the way Halfley was talking yesterday, I think he's pretty frustrated too. I saw someone saying that they thought he was faux outraged. I'm like, I don't think he sounded pretty pissed. I mean, I think, I think that he was very angry about it. I think the, the faux part of it and how people are feeling is like, you know, he can kind of say, all this stuff, it doesn't really matter until right. there's a change on the field because this is through two games. I, uh, I, I don't have the tweet pulled up, but I tweeted this, that uh, BC has 19 penalties for, I want to say like 201, 201 yards through two games. So you're averaging nine half penalties for essentially hundred yards, which is just, you just can't win games that way consistently. And, right. you know, and BC is 500. They lost a close one and they won a close one. Um, and had they not had all these penalties, they probably would have won both games and probably would have won them much more comfortably. And, you know, against NIU, I thought some of them were a little more excusable because it was week one. You're going to be working out some kinks. You know, they were mostly defense pass interference penalties. You know, Halfley's going to be aggressive in the secondary. So I was hoping that against Holy Cross, you know, it would kind of go back to the normal, go back to the, the mean of penalties. Uh, but against Holy, uh, Holy Cross, it was even worse just because it was, really dumb mental mistakes that and not even like mental mistakes, just, just stupid decision-making and just acting insane from mostly one player, honestly, but yeah, there were other players that had some bad moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a major issue that this program has to clean up if they want to have any hope of winning games this season, because as we've seen, like this team does not look like they are going to be 
competitive against the upper echelon of AC teams and they need all the help they can get, you know, to get anywhere near 500. Uh, yeah. I think what we're talking about here was these pen, like these penalties that you're looking at, you have a quarterback that, that is making lewd gestures at Holy cross. He also got, was he the one that got called on the uh, bench penalty too? I'm, I'm not sure he was in the area. Um, I think they officially, they flagged the whole bench. So they don't say who it is. Um, and the announcers, made it seem like it was. I'm not sure what exactly happened. It didn't really look like, I mean, he didn't do anything, but if anything, it was, he said something, which, you know, I, I, I'm curious as to what words are kind of the trigger points for refs to throw flags. But, and I think honestly, the, the, the major flag was him pointing as he went to the sideline on a play where he was scrambling and didn't even make the first down. Right. So, you know, the, the broadcasters mentioned that, you know, Cassianos is a very emotional player. He plays a lot of swagger, um, and it's it's that's all well and good and fun when you're making big plays and winning games. But when you're in a tight game against an FCS opponent and granted a good FCS opponent, Holy Cross is probably a top 10 team in the FCS. But when you're in this close game and you're doing that kind of stuff, that is insane. <laughs> like you yeah. just cannot say. And, and I mean, this is the thing when you're playing a true, a, a true sophomore quarterback. And granted, I think Morehead's only one year older, so it's not a huge difference, but you know, you just see like this lack of maturity where he's doing this kind of stuff. And if it was, I mean, I'm, I kind of hope it wasn't him on the bench because it's like, man, then you just are, clearly have something not, I mean, I don't want to say wrong with you, but like you got to change your mental Absolutely. approach of how you're playing this game because you are cost, you are actively costing your team chances and the ability to win games. If you're going to play like this. So, I know we did not plan on talking penalties, but I want your thoughts on it. We've already into like minute six of talking about it. Like, how does Halfley rein this in? Like, how does he get control of his rock? Like, this seems like a major issue that he need he and the leaders on this on this team, staff and and like guys like Vinny De Palma need to get in front of this and stop it. So what what do they do? So I think I think you you, know, you mentioned Vinny De Palma. I, I think that some of this comes down to this, and it's not like on them, but. It's not their fault if it doesn't happen, but like I think that uh, the I think the best strategy towards eliminating issues like this is your senior leaders have to step up and, and corral guys. And I even tweeted this early in the game that BC players and especially Castellanos were doing a lot. Castellanos were doing a lot of trash talking when the game was still close, and I was like, this is going to come back to bite them in some way, and it really did. Um, and you know, you saw these penalties on special teams where guys were just. Uh, you know, playing through the whistle. At, and again, that's one that's tough. That's a tough one to coach out because you always coach guys play through the whistle, you know, finish the play. And sometimes, you know, it, you get flagged for it. And, but it just happened too much that, and again, it's, it's hard for coaches because you don't want to tell guys to be less aggressive and to get off the, you know, take down your effort. Cause that's just not what football, how football is properly played. Um, but even there, there, there's even one penalty where it, it was the, and I know people are going to are mad about this penalty. It's the third and 22 uh, hands the face penalty on Neil Akpala. That one is a different story because that one is heat of the moment. His hand just slid up the uh, offensive lineman to his face. He wasn't like trying to be dirty or anything. It's just a, that's an unlucky thing. I'm talking more about these unnecessary wrongnesses, extensions through the play where these are costing. And honestly, those penalties um, on Holy Cross's penultimate drive of the first half, the, the kicking out of bounds along with the unnecessary emphasis put Holy Cross at the 50 and that pretty much alone allowed them to score. If they don't get this penalties, they probably don't score on that drive. So that swings the game in a huge way. But and, in and, terms of like kind of answering your question about how do you coach this out? I mean, it, this is a tough thing. And I think 
one way that you do it maybe is you make your practicing with, and I don't know exactly where you got them, but you can get refs to come in to your practices and yep. they have you get them to come in. Yeah. And so they know it's like, we're not just practicing without refs. It's like, no, we need to know like what is a penalty and what is not. And you know, you need your guys to be extra vigilant for when things are getting out of hand. Um, as in, when I say guys, I mean like coaches and assistants, like, I don't know if you empower some of like the lower level assistants or the grad assistants or heck, even though I think BC calls them, um, hydration managers which is the most beautiful word for water boy um <laughs> but you know you need to empower everybody saying like hey this is a problem that we need to fix now because if we don't we are going to not be able to win games because of this problem so i think you need to it, it, this is a group effort it's not just on the coaches it's not just the players it's on everybody to come together and say this is a problem that we need to fix right now and you know you look at the penalties it, it was both ways too because holy That's, cross yeah for a bunch mm-hmm. too and they would have lost that game. BC would have lost that game. Holy Cross played a little cleaner. So mm-hmm. uh, just some thoughts there. That I, I think that was a big question mark a lot of folks had and a little a big uh, moment of frustration for BC fans. But we're going to talk about one thing that I thought went pretty well, and that was the offense. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Now, I want to tell you about Athletic Brewing. Now time for our game changer of the week brought to you by athletic brewing company, much like you Vinny De Palma who had the big play at the end of that game. Athletic brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beer beers that taste really good. You know, we just said it, Vinny highest rated pro football focused player of this game. I know he's been getting, uh, I think he got a little bit of slack after that first game, but he looked a lot stronger in this one just like Athletic Brewing Company, has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. You know, they got IPAs, gold and sours and more, and they're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. They're fit for all time. So check out Athletic Brewing Company. And, and you use promo code Locked On on their website, you're going to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewingcompany.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, Locked on BC, AJ Black here, and we are talking about the game this weekend. Uh, we're looking at the offense, and I don't have any pictures of the offense. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying to, to Mitch before this game uh, that the only picture company that we can use for Locked On was uh, they, they sometimes they contract out to smaller companies and uh, they had the Worcester Telegram, I think, and it's all Holy Cross pictures. Like you got them cheering, and so there's no offense. But the offense, I thought, especially that first half, played some of their best football I've seen out of BC uh, offensively in a long time. What were your thoughts about the offense? Yeah, I was very impressed by. I mean, we we talked about how BC had to run the ball in this game, and that's exactly what they did. Even after Pat Garwell went out with an ankle injury, Kyro uh, Shaw took over and had a really good game. Uh, just a great blocking from the offensive line, got tons of push. And as we were watching the game back, just lots of just really perfectly blocked plays. Um, and, you know, you saw some in- inventiveness with the offensive play calling and play design. You know, you had this package and they, I think there were about five plays where they had Ryan O'Keefe lined up as the running back in the backfield. and They would split Kai Robichaud out as a wide receiver. And most of them were three by one sets. So three receivers to one side, one to the other. Uh, but they, they had a lot of different ways of getting into that. And that's how Ryan O'Keefe scored a touchdown. Um, and they threw a swing pass to him out of that formation as well. So, you know, you're seeing the playbook open up a little more. Um, I thought the way that they, they called some good designed runs with Castellanos. Um, I thought he, 
really, for, again, for the first half, I thought he did a really nice job of, you know, he would read out the, he had so much time in the pocket, which is, again, the offensive line is just so much better. Um, he would read the play out, you know, go through his progression, and then, you know, one, then he'd go and scramble. And, again, he's very good at scrambling. Um, didn't have a, didn't throw the ball downfield a ton, um, but when he did, I thought he picked his spots nicely. Uh, you had that big throw down the sideline, Jaden Williams. You had another one on the, another one, Jaden Williams, that Williams fumbled, and then luckily Cam Bar, Cameron Barfield picked up, which was great. Um, but I, I like that he wasn't really, in the first half again, he wasn't really trying to do too much. Um, I thought in the second half, I thought that's when things kind of went off the off the rails, and that's also when he started committing those penalties. So um, in terms of all that, I'm pretty impressed. I'm, I'm the one, My one area of concern is, and of course this is going to come back to a player that I mentioned all the time, and it's not really his fault. This is more about the offense. Um, a lot of there's a lot of portions of the game. BC would send out Jack Conley as a six offensive lineman, and those were pretty much all running plays. And my concern is that is against better opponents, is BC going to have to rely on a six six O line package to be able to run the ball? I don't I don't think so. But they went to that package a lot. Maybe it's just because it's like, hey, we know this is working. Let's just keep going until they stop it. But I'm just kind of making a note here that, hey, you know, let's hope that this isn't the case. Um, and again, BC was very effective running the ball, so that, that was at least good to see. But it was just something that I was like, this is interesting that they're using this package so much. And again, it could just be an opponent thing. Um, but for the first half, I was very impressed with the offense. Um, in the second half, you know, and, and again, not even against FCS teams. And again, Holy Cross is a good FCS team. Most offenses, you know, uh, you know, the top 10 teams excluded, you're not going to, you know, score on every drive. So, you know, in BC in the second half, they have one drive that doesn't go anywhere. It's like, okay, you know, they had a penalty, I think. So, you know, some drives are just, you know, things don't go your way. It's fine. The next drive, I think, was the one where Castellanos had the penalty. And that was one where they were moving the ball well. And so that's just, you know, a huge mental mistake by him that killed a drive. Um, I think they had another drive that didn't go anywhere. And I can't remember why. But then, and then they got their final touchdown, I think, right as the quarter turned over. So, you know, you're seeing some... I'm liking the passing concepts. I think it, I think they're playing. They're doing a decent job of playing to Castellanos' strengths. I do think they still need to kind of take the decision making out of his hands sometimes because there was one play, and I think it was might have been BC's like final real drive, not counting the kneel downs, was when he kind of looked at the slot corner, went to hand off, and then fake tanning off and just kind of tried to bootleg out and got tackled for a loss and. I could be reading that play wrong, but that felt the way he was just looking at that play and his body language, that felt like an ad lib from him. And mm -hmm. frankly, he, he, again, he's a, he's a good player and he has, he has some very good athletic traits. He is not in a position to make those kind of ad lib calls at this point. You can scramble, you can do all, you can, you can do all that. You can make plays off schedule as a passer, but you cannot just be bailing out of schemes because you think, because if he, if what he saw was he read it wrong and that because that slot corner was blitzing all day and I know he thinks he's fast but he was not getting that edge so that was just a silly play for me um but again I think on the most part I was impressed by the offense I thought they took what went well against Northern Illinois and they built on that with some similar concepts and then kind of built off of those well against Holy Cross for I'll say most of the game not all of it and so just as a, a point of comparison here, I know a lot of folks are going, but it's Holy Cross and, and you're never going to, you're never going to 
appease them no matter what BC does. But I want to give you the differences in running block grades on pro football focus for Holy Cross and against Maine last year. So you get your two FCS schools and Holy Cross is a better FCS school than Maine. So their run block score this year was a 75.9 solid green, very good score. Last year against Maine, it was a 57.1. So Maine Maine was one of their best rushing games of that season. Yeah, that was, I think, their second highest. No, it was their highest grade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, no, Syracuse was their highest grade at the end of the year. But that tells you how improved that run block was. Um, Yeah, and 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 again, it's against the FCS, but every play, offense line just getting two to three yards of push. And the running backs just have infinitely greater lanes. You know, I know people are like, oh, this team sucks. They're, they're worse than last year. It's like, they're, I promise you, they're, uh, the defense we can talk about, but the offense, definitely not. Because, I mean, I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, they scored 30 against, they scored 38 against Maine last year. They scored 34 against Louisville. And I think those are the only two teams they scored 30 against last year. But, you know, Louisville, that game was wild. It was just back and forth. And Maine was an FCS opponent. But, you know, this team is, showing the ability to have extended drives and move the ball efficiently and consistently. So, you know, this week that is going to be tougher against one of the best teams in the country, but you know, this is something that we're seeing, we're seeing solid progress in the offense from week to week and especially when compared to last year. And uh, just to go back to something you mentioned, the uh, ad-libbing by Castellanos, if he ad-libs against Florida State, he's going to get killed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think guys like Jared Verse and Kalen Deloach uh, and, uh, who was the other one? Uh, Akeem Dent are gonna. There, yeah, that's not gonna work <laughs> if you yeah. can't. Yeah, so I just really hope that they find a way to rein him in, uh, both on when he's on the field and when he's not on the field. Apparently, <laughs> okay. In the moment, we're gonna get into one of our bigger areas of concern. We're gonna talk about the defense who played a little uh, sloppy, and and there's some uh, emerging trends that we're starting to get concerned about on this defensive end. So. Get ready for the new, the NFL season with the incredible offers from FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to other player props and more. I think the BC spread right now on FanDuel is minus 28.5 for Florida State, so not sure where you're feeling for that right now. I think a lot of BC fans are hammering the Florida State line. It's probably going to move by the way the BC fans are betting. So go visit FanDuel.com slash on now and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official sports partner of the NFL. This is Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. I'm joined again by Mitch. And... I want to talk about the defense because this was a group. I can't believe Halfley said what he said after the game, where he said, I did not worry about, I'm not worried about the run defense. They gave up 200 and what 60 yards on the ground. Um, multiple extended drives from Holy cross. What they, they had one, their first sack of the year, I think from Sheeta Salah, but no real pressure. Mitch, what, what were your thoughts about this defense? So I think, some of I think some of the statistics for this are going to be a little misleading. But so, if you want to talk, if 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 Halfley is taking a, a strict constructionist view of run defense and say, okay, when the offense has a designed run, regardless of who it is, I felt better about that than you know defending scrambles from Matthew Saluka. I can see where he's coming from, but the problem was is they still had a big problem with defending Matthew Saluka's 
scrambles, which is something that I was like, this is going to be the big thing. This is Sluka's thing. That's what he does. He scrambles. And he killed BC a ton scrambling. Um, obviously, that huge scramble right when they came back from the weather delay. Um, I think uh, most, if not all, of his rushing touchdowns were on scrambles. Um, so, And when I was rewatching it, I found a lot of plays where there either just wasn't a spy or there was, and one of the defensive ends got too far afield and lost contain. Um, so I didn't really understand or agree with that, the way that strategy played out. In terms of the other run defense, I, again, I, it's hard for me to really agree with what Halfley's saying. Because um, again, like it's not like most of most of Holy Cross's design runs were not super complex or exotic. It was um, a lot of downhill gap schemes, multipolar stuff, a lot of the same stuff BC was running, honestly, uh, just out of slightly different formational looks. Um, but I mean, again, allowing a lot of big chunk runs. Um, they struggled to get off the field on third and third and fourth and shorts. Um, when you look at the rushing, uh, so this is from Game on Paper. Uh, BC actually technically did a better job of stopping Holy Cross from running the ball than vice versa. Holy Cross stopping BC from running the ball um, because BC stuffed six of Holy Cross's runs, which is yards gained is zero, uh, lesser than or equal to zero, and that was sixteen percent of Holy Cross's runs were stuffed for that, and then. They stopped, which is two yards or less, gained uh, 45% of their runs. So, you know, I, I do think that we're watching this game. The highlights stick out in your mind. Obviously, the big runs stick out. I, I do think that the, there were a lot of plays where BC actually did st- stuff them. You know, they, they stopped them pretty quickly. They got guys in the right gaps. Um, but there were a good amount of times, too, where I saw both defensive tackles getting double teamed and blocked pretty far downfield. Um, so I'd have to probably like get some real all 22 film as opposed to just the broadcast copy to kind of really evaluate what's going on in run defense. And so it's tough to say, but um, I, I, I really can't agree. That I'm saying like, Oh, I felt that the run defense, you know, worked according to plan. I mean, if the plan is to give up almost 200 yards rushing on designed runs, then that's probably not going to be effective against, especially against a team like Florida state that, also is a pretty similar offense in that they have the quarterback run. They have a lot of, he scrambles a good bit. They have a lot of design runs with him and they run a lot of the same uh, schemes in terms of multipolar gap, uh, you know, gap power schemes where they have multiple, multiple pullers uh, on GH counter GT power and all that kind of stuff. So that's tough. Um, in terms of the passing game um, again, like it's kind of hard to evaluate because the sample size is pretty small. Um, I thought BC did in terms of just like the actual coverage aspect, BC did a pretty decent job. I felt, um, you know, you had Jalen Coker who again, very good, very good wide receiver at the FCS level could probably play in the power five. If I had to guess he had that really crazy catch down the left sideline, great play there. And then the other big play was one way. Uh, that was after the kick out of bounds, the other penalty where they hit the uh, Jalen shorter down the middle of the field or Justin shorter. Can't remember his name. Um, and there was a penalty as well. So, that was just, you know, two really great catches. But other than that, you know, I didn't really find Saluka was like dealing, you know, he, he, I think he dropped back to pass 27 times and only threw 15 passes. So, and again, not a lot of them were, you know, super big downfield and, you know, there were a good amount of throws he missed. I can't, there was a really funny play where I think he threw a post to Co- Jalen Coker and missed him by a good margin. And Coker, it was like a low pass and Coker had like fall down to even try to get it. And the announcer's like, Oh, he had him for a touchdown there. It's like, it, it was also he was also right between two defenders, so there was just no way he was going to score with the way that ball was thrown. Um, <laughs> so you know that I felt was fine. I, I am getting concerned about the pass rush because, and I tweeted this out earlier on Sunday that 
Donovan Azaraku has been nigh invisible in these first two games. And again, it's been unorthodox offenses that don't have, don't have much of a traditional drop back game, but I think he has one pressure through two games. And I think it was the QB hit that he was penalized for against NIU, you know, and he's, he's playing, he's, he's, he is being rotated out, but he's still, I think he still leads BC in pass rush snaps. So he's the guy, but he is just not, he's just not showing up. And that is against, against a Mac team and against an FCS team. That's concerning. Um, I'm not sure if it's because offenses are just saying, okay, we know that's the guy. So we're just going to slide all our protection towards him, which in that case, I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's tough for most pass rushers to deal with. You know, I get it. And maybe that's why, you know, Sheeta Salah is having a pretty good uh, start to the season in terms of generating pressure. Uh, but even then, like the guys behind him, and we thought this defensive line was going to be, you know, really good. We had, you know, guys transferring in, we had experienced players, but, you know, they're just not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And again, with Sluka, it's hard to kind of uh, parse it out because he is such an effective scrambler and mover in the pocket. Um but even against Northern Illinois, like they weren't able to generate a ton of pressure. And I kind of explained in my article, like why part of the reason why that was the case um, and how it was schemed up. But, you know, if this is how this is going to work against better offensive lines in the ACC moving down the season, then that's really concerning because we've seen how if BC isn't getting a pass rush, their cornerbacks are on islands and man coverage. And if they're get feel, if they're feeling the pressure in that in, in man coverage, they're going to start panicking and committing penalties. So this could end up being doubly bad for BC. So, you know, again, these are two not great. I would say not great performances by the defense. I thought um, they came together a lot better at points in the NIU game. This one, this game was really, honestly, really tough for them. Um, And uh, I think kind of how we talked about how penalties really hurt BC. I think you could make the argument the other way where penalties really hurt Holy Cross. And so it's like, if they hadn't been committing as many penalties, is BC's defense able to get as many stops as they did? Because in addition to them committing a lot of defensive pass interference, their offense had a lot of holdings, false starts, what have you. So, you know, this, uh, the red flag is definitely up for this defense and it is not going to get any easier this week as I think they're going to play their best opponent. They're going to play this whole season. So this is, this, this could be a long week and the week after for the Eagles. And I know I, I, this is just a random depth uh, thought of mine that's popped up that I just, I keep looking at and going, why is Quan Williams not playing? I mean, I, I have I my thoughts. Um, I was looking at uh, his, he, he played 15 snaps in this game, which is way up from the NIU, which I don't even think he played. So he played, two, I, played, two, I, he played two against NIU. I think, I wonder if he's hurt. I wonder if he is coming back from an injury because it seems like they might be easing him back in. Um, and I wonder, that, I want, I wonder if he ends up playing more as they get closer down the stretch. That would be the most logical explanation. Um, especially, for a guy who is their you know, bigger, more traditional nose tackle that you, you know, you throw him down in the a gap or head up on the center and say, Hey, you know, hold this point. He's the guy that you would want to be playing against teams like NIU and Holy Cross that run the ball a ton. Uh, the fact that he's not playing, especially now that Nigel Tate, he probably is playing more because Nigel Tate is down with injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the most uh, easiest explanation. Um, and again, the fact that he got a pretty good increase in snaps this week, I think that's telling. Um I'm not. Sh- I, I really couldn't speculate as to any other reason. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know either I way. Mean, he, I'll say like he is a younger player, so you know, kind of maybe just he hits hit a wall. You know, it's a so- sophomore slump, if you will. You know, they're giving more <sighs> snaps to a guy like Chris Banks, who's a veteran. Um, the fact that they are playing Cam Horsley more in that one tech role where he is the nose tackle, and he's had a great Banks. season. I have to say, of anyone on that defensive line. Yeah. Horsley. Yeah. So like Chris Banks and George Brooks are playing that three tech now. So you could maybe have a bit of a log jam where. 
you have Horsley and it's like, okay, we know he's playing well. We want to keep him out there. Um, so that could, that could be another reason why, but I think maybe part of the reason why they moved Horsley to that nose tackle position is because maybe Williams is working back from an injury. Like you said. And I, just as a small event, uh, the injury news still just go quickly chronologically here. Tuesday, Jeff Halfley says that I, I believe the quote was we're all healthy. Everyone will play on Saturday. I believe that was the exact quote. He said <laughs> Saturday morning, Alex broom is missing the game due to injury. Okay. Then <laughs> what was it? The second quarter, everyone's wondering where Pat Garwo goes. And Mark, was it Mark Herzlig that said, they, uh, one of them said that the BC people have told us that he is healthy. We are just riding the hot hand cut to the fourth, the start of the, the very end of the third quarter, you see Pat Garwin street clothes and walking boot. And then they say, Oh, we've come back. And BC told us that he is out with an ankle injury. So and, don't get ahead, frustrated with me when I don't have a clue with what the injury stuff is, because that it's, they are purposely obfuscating a lot of the stuff so that I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had this, I had a tweet about it and again, like, sure, maybe they don't notice anything, but if like you, I mean, uh, if if they, if this team if this like organization athletic department wants the media to cover them seriously, then just you know again I think you can find ways to do this and not just outright lie. And we yeah. talked about this a lot last week with the uh, Morehead Castellanos thing. It's kind of continuing with this Garwo situation, which again it was it's it's developing in the game. So you know I don't know maybe they just didn't know yet, but you know then just say you don't know. Like that's pretty simple. And again, I, I, this one is on arguably less excusable because it's not like Holy Cross is plugged into the broadcast and it's going to change their game plan if Pat Garwo is out of the game because Kai Robichaud is already running all over them. So like, what does it matter? Like, I just, you know what really they frustrating. Need? And I know everybody's really frustrated with this program now for a variety of reasons, but it, they just they just keep mounting, and so I get why people are frustrated. The ACC just needs to do what the Big Ten does. The college, new- college football period needs to do what. Yeah, does. just let the guesswork get out of it. Make them release their injury report. And it'll it'll save headaches for everyone involved, including the coaching staff, because now they can't, you know, dance around it. As so. long as long as colleges and college football is getting more in bed with sports betting, that has to be coming down the road. Because I think that is a big reason why the NFL adopted it, yep. along, whatever they did, because of betting and, you know, coaches. But, you know, back then coaches lying and be like, oh, this guy's healthy or whatever. So, you know, that that's I think I think that is coming, but it's probably not going to happen this year. All right. So, Mitch, we got to get going. So where can people find you? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W.O.L.F.E. on Twitter. Um, and again, check it. Just keep your eyes on Eagle Insider for my work. I'm uh, starting to write my uh, rewatch articles for this game. Um, and those will be up in the coming weeks and then we'll be previewing. Florida State, which is coming up on Saturday, which I'm sure is going to be really fun. I'll be there. <laughs> the game I had a choice between this game and the Holy Cross game. In just, terms uh, of- just, just tell me you're not bringing your kids. They're probably too young to watch that kind of football game. No, I'm going to take them to either um, UVA or UConn. Okay, good. <laughs> that, that, those are those are those are a G and, P and PG rated football games. This is going to be a NC 17 slasher flick. Yeah, I'm not. We'll talk more about that one on Friday, Mitch. Uh, we, we'll see what Jeff Halfley has to say this week. We'll talk. We'll get some more info on him and uh, everything else that's going on in BC sports. You can check here on Locked On BC. Thank you all who have listened. Make sure to hit that subscribe and like button. Our show yesterday had a great uh, 
user reaction to it. So do the same with this one. Hit that like button. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and recommend us to friends and family. Uh, we keep it real here at Locked On BC. We're not um, we're not uh, rosy and, and maroon and gold. I think we've been pretty uh, fair. Not any not anymore. This summer we definitely were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're as we see things unfolding in front of us, we're being a little tougher. Uh, so if you want to get more of that, check us out. Thank you all. Follow me on Twitter at ajblack247 and become a subscriber at Eagle Insider. Hope you guys see us there. Uh, we'll see you all again soon. Take care. Cheers.